Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we are live here on the MMA Industry Podcast, brought to you by Fightful, and it is November 2nd. I'm happy to be joined today by a good friend of mine and someone who is in New York live covering UFC 217 this week. It's none other than Aaron Bronsetter of TSN Sports. Aaron, how are you this morning? I'm great. Happy to wake up. I, I would rather wake up with, uh, with nobody else than you, James, other than, of course, my lovely wife. Well, there you go. I appreciate that. Uh, that nice start to the show. And uh, the way I always like to start this podcast is kind of uh, first off explaining what the podcast is about. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk to people about what it's like covering uh, the sport of mixed martial arts and sort of giving a behind the scenes look. And normally on these shows, uh, the plan is to sort of uh, talk about people and their backgrounds. But because Aaron is live in New York, I figured it would be a good opportunity to talk about what it's like covering fight week. So uh, we'll sort of start there. But uh, but one of the other things I like doing on the show is talking about how my guest and I ended up meeting and uh, Aaron, I don't know if you remember this. So well, I've known you for a couple of years, but uh, I believe the first time we actually met UFC 165 in the lobby at the Shangri-La Hotel for uh, media day for 165, if I'm not mistaken. It was either that or sometime at TSN. Like if I, I remember setting you up with an interview with somebody who would come in for off the record and walking them over to you uh, so you could do an interview there. That, that's to my recollection was the first time I met you, but you might be right. Yeah. It was it, a 165. I, 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 I believe I believe it was 165, but uh, but but either way, I, I mean I've I've known about you for years. Um, so Aaron and I have actually worked at uh, two companies together. Um, I used to work at the Score. My first job ever in the television industry. This is way back in 2008, and uh, Aaron was on the radio side. So I remember like hearing Aaron's name, and, and of course Aaron uh, went on to do great things with uh, you know the, the afternoon show with with Gabe Morenci, and then uh, we actually worked together again at TSN. I was uh, freelancing uh, on the website doing the MMA coverage, and Aaron was obviously uh, you know working for Off the Record. So Aaron and I go back a long way. So it was. Really Really happy to get him on the program. And uh, one of the things that's really changed with TSN over the last couple of years is their coverage. Um, a couple of years back, TSN acquired uh, in Canada the UFC rights, and they've been broadcasting all the events. And uh, just recently, I'd say maybe a year and a bit ago, uh, they've really ramped up the coverage. Um, so that, that's going to sort of be my first question. Um, basically, when, when did uh, you notice that the, the coverage sort of increased? And I know you got a promotion. Maybe just talk a little bit about that and, and how it sort of came together with TSN really ramping up their coverage. Yeah, I would say last uh, last year when Conor McGregor started making a lot of waves, I realized we just weren't there. We weren't there covering the events. Um, I, when we eventually went to the November card last year at MSG, 
it was myself and Michael Landsberg were there and we had a camera guy. I realized that we're getting a lot of really good access from being a rights holder of the UFC uh, at TSN. And I've been following mixed martial arts for more than 10 years. Uh, and I went to my boss and said, we should be sending the guys to different events. We should send um, a reporter to cover uh, UFC 207 with Ronda Rousey. Uh, we should send, you know, Landsberg down. Landsberg couldn't go to 207. So um, eventually uh, he said, why don't, uh, why don't you go? You know more about MMA than anybody here. I'm confident that you'd be okay on air. I've seen you do some, some stuff on air with Off the Record every now and then, some bits. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, my aspirations were never really to be on air. I was always a behind-the-scenes guy. Uh, I, I enjoyed being a behind-the-scenes guy. But uh, I like challenges, and I thought that this was a really unique challenge because, to me, I, the, the MMA stuff comes second nature to me. I, I'm reading about it all day. I'm studying it. You know, it's, it's basically I don't even consider it studying because it's fun for me. I, I enjoy the sport. I enjoy reading about the sport. I love doing a deep dive into content uh, about the sport. So, you know, to me, the the cool thing about it was that I was working on it anyways. I was, uh, you know, I knew it like the back of my hand. So what I started to study and started to work on instead was my, my presentation, was what I looked like on camera, how uh, I was doing things when I was speaking to people, trying to get rid of the ums like I just did there, <laughs> trying not to nod so much, trying not to verbally agree, a lot of different uh, quirks that I noticed that people have that I tried to get rid of that I noticed that I s suddenly started having as a result of just watching other people interview different subjects. So that's what I really started to work on was, was the, the presentation aspect of things and, and how I presented myself uh, on camera. And, and the, the good part about it was, you know, the first time I did a card, I guess it was UFC 208, I sat down with, with uh, my VP and said, you know, what do you think? What can I change? What can I improve? He gave me a couple pointers, but said that he was generally pretty satisfied with how it was. So that gave me a lot of confidence going forward that what I was doing uh, looked good and, and was presented well. Yeah, and it certainly has, and you've done an excellent job. And I think here in Canada, you know, we've been starving for MMA content uh, from a television uh, perspective just because uh, when Sportsnet lost the rights, they basically abandoned it. Um, I should know. I freelance for them, and I'm basically the only guy who's doing any, uh, you know, consistent work for them. So it it's interesting to see that, uh, you know, TSN's really uh, putting their foot forward. And one of the things we've seen this week is the documentary with George St. Pierre, which is a huge deal, which to me I think is so cool because, you know, you go back, you know, five, ten years ago, this was not even a thought on TSN's radar as far as doing a documentary on, on someone like George St. Pierre. Um, how did this sort of come together? And were you part of the documentary at all? Uh, yeah, I have an associate producer credit on it. So essentially what happened was um, we weren't doing any MMA features. Um, you know, and our features, the, the good thing about it is the head of our features department, Josh Scheinman, actually had worked at Fight Network before and is a little bit into mixed martial arts. So I had that going for me. Uh, and I, I sat down with Josh and said, if we can get good access with George St. Pierre for this comeback, let's put all our eggs in that basket. Let's work hard on it. And uh, originally I think it was going to just be a quick six or seven minute feature. And then we realized the kind of access that we were going to get uh, because George wanted to play the game uh, and, and give us good access. And really it was George's manager, Rodolphe saw a 22 minute feature we had done on Lance Stroll, the F1 driver, a Canadian young Canadian F1 driver who's done really well this year. Uh, I think he was in third place and he's the first person that's like 18 or 19 to be, that high in a race since somebody 20 years ago. I'm not a big F1 guy, so I probably don't have the right answers for you on that. But uh, it was, you know, a big name driver. So um, he saw the Lance Stroll piece and said, can, you, can we do something like that for George? And we said, yeah, we, we definitely can. We just need the access. And 
George bought in immediately. We had immediate buy-in from George, immediate buy-in from his team because Rodolfo is, you know, his best friend and manager. And really, they trusted in us to get it done. And uh, that's really what I thought was, uh, was unique about it is that um, they, they gave us full access. We were able to travel to different cities and, and follow George around. Um, we actually just shot something with John Donaher yesterday that will be on TSN's website. Um, and again, just the, co- the cooperation on George's part really made it possible for us to, to get the kind of documentary that we wanted. Uh, did you get a chance to watch it as of yet? I, I, I have not. I'm going to check it out uh, right after. Um, but uh, I, I'm hearing great things. And I know Robin Black is in there. Of course, uh, he used to be at Fight Network. He's uh, featured in the documentary as well. Um, for, for those who haven't seen it, you know, kind of just give us a, a Coles Notes version of what uh, people can expect from watching this. Well, it's called The Mind of GSP, and the reason it's called The Mind of GSP is because he really opened up to us about his, his psyche going into a fight. And, and that's pretty unique because a lot of fighters don't talk about that, especially fighters at the level of George, talk about what it's like to prepare for a fight mentally. Um, and that's really the unique insight. You know, we didn't want the documentary to be just about his comeback and, and uh, how he's preparing and all of that. But we, we, obviously that is a big part of it. We did get to see some cool things that he's doing that a lot of fighters don't do to prepare for a fight. George has always been ahead of the curve and trying to find even a, a 2 or 3% chance to give himself a leg up um, in, a, in a way uh, where he would train that others don't train. And uh, we, we got to really see that side of things and, and got to see uh, his unique perspective on, on how he prepares for fights. But really, it's the fact that he's terrified of fighting. He hates fighting. He, he hates getting into the cage and being in front of uh, people with the, with the big lights on. It's, it's something he dreads. But that, that fear is really what motivates him to be as good as he can be because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. He doesn't want to be humiliated. He wants to show that he's the best at what he does. He, he loves the, the fight preparation. He loves training. He loves learning about the sport. He's, he's a martial artist. He's at its core. He's, a, he's not a fighter. He's a martial artist. Um, so getting to see that side of George was really, really interesting. And uh, we got to, uh, to see some, you know, a side of George that he, he has seldom shown. And he really opened up to, uh, to Robin about you know, what it was like preparing for this camp. And for those who want to watch it, um, is there going to be a replay available? And is it on uh, TSN Go for TSN Go subscribers? It's on TSN Go. It's on our website, tsn.ca. It's not geo-locked, so you can watch it worldwide. Uh, And in Canada tonight, which is, I guess, Thursday at the time we're taping this, at 9.30 p.m., it is replaying on TSN 4. But uh, you you can really watch it anytime on uh, on tsn.ca slash UFC. You can find it. Excellent. Nice plug there. And we'll definitely plug that at the end. Uh, Now, sticking with George, he's got a big fight this week uh, coming up here, the return. He's going to be taking on Michael Bisping uh, for the middleweight title. Now, just from a media perspective, you and I have covered a lot of events together. How does it sort of uh, compare as far as the media presence for this event uh, compared to other events you've covered? It feels big. Uh, I was at media day yesterday and there were a lot of people there. There was a big interest in this fight from the media perspective, which uh, I wasn't sure about actually going into it. I wasn't sure what it would be like uh, in terms of media coming from all over. But this, this is being treated like a big event by media. There are a lot of different people that I was meeting for the first time yesterday that uh, aren't typically at uh, UFC events. And a lot of them are local. I mean, New York media is a very big uh, contingent. But uh, there, were, there were a lot of people there. And, uh, you know, Media Day, unfortunately, didn't have any of the people in the top three fights, the, all, the three championship fights. They, were, they didn't have media availability, which was unfortunate. So the biggest names there, the guys that were on the, the, the risers were Thompson and Masvidal. So, you know, I, I got to interview Randy Brown and Mickey Gall, uh, James Vick, uh, uh, Duffy, Joe Duffy. But I found that, you know, I'm looking and there's a lot of guys that are sitting there. There's a guy who's never fought in the UFC before, a Polish fighter whose name I don't even know. And he's sitting there and nobody's talking to him. So, yes, you know, yes. 
in that sense, I, I think that uh, that was an unfortunate part of it. But, uh, you know, we, we got good content, uh, of course, and uh, the press conference is today, and that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, the, I think two of these three fights have had a, a really good back and forth, and I think that Rosen Ioana is going to show a little bit of that today as well, given what happened on the conference call last week. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the media day because uh, it's it's really – I don't think a lot of people know what sort of goes into media day. You have these fighters sitting on chairs, and, and there's billboards beside them with their names so you can pronounce it uh, properly and all that. But you only get an hour, uh, usually in most cases. And and in that case, you have to sort of pick and choose who you want to interview. It's, you almost have to be strategic about it. I remember at 2.05 last year, I made the mistake of thinking, well, I'll just get the guys that no one's talking to right now, and then I'll get the big guys. But what happened was I ran out of time. So if you see my coverage from last year for Sportsnet, I didn't get any of the big names because I ran out of time. So you have to be very, very sort of strategic about it. How do you go about media day uh, in terms of trying to get your interviews? Do you just sort of pick who doesn't have a lot of people? Do you try and get in line first? Like, how do you sort of, what's your strategy heading into it? Yeah, when I arrive, I, I look at who's standing in front of uh, different fighters, things. And I, I always like to be first for somebody. Yeah. So, um, you know, last year, for example, or sorry, at the last event, I'm trying to remember who I got first, but I was, uh, I was just, I, I hunkered down and waited for, a specific fighter to come out. I can't even remember who it is at this point, but uh, I do that first because I always want to have um, a good fighter. And you know what? I wanted the, at UFC 215, it was Ray Borg. I got Ray Borg right away, or I got Demetrius right away. You know, those are the kind of things that I try to do. And then after that, I kind of play it by ear. I look at, see who's in line for who and who's open. Yesterday I walked right up to James Vick. There was nobody with him uh, when I got there. And then I, I walked, you know, I waited for one person so, to speak to Joe Duffy, Randy Brown had nobody with him. I waited a little bit for Mickey Gall. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of how I do it. I play it by ear. I, uh, I, I look around and I kind of gauge who's going to be talking. And you also get to know the other members of the media and how much time they're going to take. Yeah. So if you see that, uh, you know, sure dogs going up to somebody, sometimes they, they can take five, six minutes. You just have to wait it out. Yeah, for sure. Did you have any issues with uh, reporters butting in? I had that problem at uh, two thirteen in July, where I'm I literally waited for uh, for this was uh, Fabrizio Rodun, by the way. So I'm sitting in line. I'm I'm waiting. I'm definitely first there. There was two other camera guys there. I'm about to ask my first question, and a Brazilian outlet just swoops right in and starts talking, and I was so mad. But the thing is, like, you can't do anything because of recording. It's going to look unprofessional. So sometimes you just sort of have to really uh, get get in there. Um, I sort of I guess I hesitated. I should have really uh, jumped in right away, but I didn't expect them to swoop out of nowhere. So sometimes you have to deal with that. Have you ever had that before where, uh, you know, you're, you're about to do an interview, you're supposed to be next, and someone sort of swoops in? Uh, yeah, the most recent example was 215 with Demetrius. I was the first one there. I had everything set up. I was sitting on the riser waiting for him to come. And then I started asking questions. The members of the local Edmonton media started asking questions in the middle and turned it into a scrum. So, I mean, again, the local media doesn't understand the etiquette because they're not there. They're, they're only there for that particular event. So I don't fault them for it. It doesn't bother me. Um, you know, and sometimes you'll be in line and someone will say, can we scrum this one? And I'll say yeah. either sure or no, you go ahead, do two, three minutes and I'll just go after you. Yeah. You know, you just, you play it by ear and you see, you, you kind of gauge the temperature of the room. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you try to get it down to a fine art, but then you've got people that don't usually cover the event that are there that, that swoop in and it happens. It's, it's nothing to get offended by. It's just part of the game.
Yeah, it, it definitely is. And uh, I should explain as well, like most, most of the time, the way these media things are set up is that, like, like you said, it's supposed to be a one-on-one thing. Uh, but other times it can turn into a scrum. Remember when we were at UFC 210 in Buffalo, um, you know, the, the guys that were on the lower floor, so the, the, you know, the main card guys are sort of the, the not, not as popular name guys. Uh, they usually would just get one-on-ones. But if you remember uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson and Cormier, they turned that, that into a scrum just because I think people realized like, hey, th- there's no way we could do one-on-ones with these guys because like half the local media is there just to talk to those guys. They need that, you know, 30 second clip or whatever for the six o'clock news. Whereas us, you know, we we're trying to get as much content as possible. So sometimes there's that uh, variation too. It's kind of an unset rule, uh, wouldn't you say? A little bit. I mean, one thing that I have to my advantage is that we, we have the rights holder card and we get a lot of backstage interviews at, at weigh-ins at the yep. official, uh, sorry, the ceremonial weigh-ins. We'll get backstage interviews. So I know that if I miss somebody, like I really wanted to talk to Johnny Hendricks yesterday, but I know like he, he was surrounded by people the whole time. He's the last guy to fight GSP. Uh, he just moved camps. Like there's a lot of storylines around Johnny. So in the back of my head, I know on Friday I'll talk to him. It's not a big deal. But yeah. a lot of, you know, I'd say 90% of the media, even more, don't have that luxury. So we get lucky in that sense that we are rights holders and do get more exclusive content uh, as a result of that. Yes. And uh, I should mention too, uh, like, like I said off the top, uh, you have, um, you, you guys are broadcast partners with the UFC. So that's why you get that special access. So sometimes you'll see, if you guys look online, you'll see like, you know, TSN, BT Sport, um, Fight Network, although who knows what's happening with Fight Network these days. And, uh, you know, and, and he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you look at all these networks that, that are broadcast partners. That's why, like, Brett Okamoto is a good example too. He seems to get, you know, one on ones that, that other people would not get. And that's because of the deal that they have with the UFC. So it's kind of unfair, but at the same time, you can see it from the UFC's perspective. They're a broadcast partner. They want to treat them really well. It's sort of a relationship there. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of one of those gray areas. But at the same time, uh, you can understand why it works for both parties. So. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately millions of dollars are at play in those particular deals, whereas there's no money at play for a lot of other uh, different outlets. So, you know, you can understand where they're coming from with that. Uh, but in terms of yeah, in terms of the rights holders, like you mentioned, BT has only, I've only seen BT twice this year. They're at this event, and they were at uh, the the first best thing in GSP. Uh, press conference. Carolyn Pierce was in and out. She like came in, did did an interview with Bisping and GSP, and left. Um, so th- they haven't been really a factor this year uh, in terms of uh, on-site coverage. Combatch is at every event. Canal yes. Combatch and uh, and Sport TV. They're at every single event. So uh, I'm always working with those guys. And we kind of have a, a thing with the UFC where we say we're not going to scrum with Portuguese fighters. You know, we don't want English questions on on their coverage and Portuguese questions on on our coverage. So we've said to the UFC if you know if multilingual fighters come through we want combats to do it in portuguese and we'll do it in, in english so with Verdum, they'll do a one-on-one and i'll do a one-on-one um and then you know espn is there every now and then you know brett's there doing doing some uh some interviews and uh really that's it you know sometimes fox sports australia is there they're the right soldiers for australia you know when whitaker was fighting they were there and um really that's it you know we don't see a lot of other uh rights holder media that that comes through a lot lately and one quick thing on uh, just the, you know, the, the translation and stuff. It's such a pain. And I, I hate seeing this where they'll have, you know, they'll, they'll show an interview where, the, you know, the, the, the reporter asks a question, someone's translates, the, the person, uh, you know, the fighter, uh, you know, answers, and they leave it all in. I like the, uh, the English underneath. I don't know why people don't edit it like that. Do you ever notice that sometimes you'll see an interview where it could be like, you know, three minutes instead of like 10 minutes because they just didn't bother to, you know, do, cut out the translation. Do you ever see that? Yeah, I've done that before with like with Charles Oliveira. We I interviewed him through his translator. Uh, yeah. But you're you're right. I mean, sometimes we don't uh, we don't commit the resources to doing that because you know our video team, as you know, has so many things on the go. Yes. Uh, for all sports, right? So it's hard for us. But 
you know, I, I do see where you're coming from when it comes to people that are covering MMA as, as, as you know, as strictly their job. You know, take the time, add subtitles. But then again, there's also a bit of a race to get it out first. A lot of people want to get their content out first because they know that people aren't going to watch six interviews with Charles Oliveira. Yeah. And, and that sort of brings me to another point I'm glad that you brought up, uh, which is just, uh, you know, you want to get the content out as soon as possible. Um, is there a certain angle you take when you're doing your interviews just because you are with TSN, which I would imagine is sort of a casual audience? I don't imagine hardcore fans are, you know, hardcore fans probably are tuning into TSN, but the, really the, 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 the meat and uh, bones of their, their news would come from, you know, an MMA junkie or MMA fighting. What are your sort of your thoughts on that? Yeah, what I like to do is um, I record on two cameras now. I record on my cell phone. And I shouldn't be giving out this trick of the trade, by the way, but I record <laughs> on my phone and I record on my, uh, my main camera. And then what I do is after I'm done the interviews, like a media day, I'll go and sit with my phone. I'll throw my headphones in and I'll edit it on the fly. I'll edit together a one to one, you know, a, a 30 to 90 second clip and I'll tweet that out so that I get my clip out there as soon as I can while my video team works on the other stuff. Because sometimes my stuff's backlogged. I have to wait for them to do a hockey piece or, a, you know, some other pieces before my stuff goes up live. So I do like to get stuff out as soon as I can when there's something that I consider newsworthy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sort of back to the events themselves. Um, do you, I, I guess you just sort of talk with your, your Simon editor or whoever it is to sort of decide which events you go to? Because it, it's my understanding you go to pretty much every pay-per-view, don't you? Uh, every North American pay-per-view I've, I've right. gone to this year. Aside from, we had some sort of issue with, unfortunately, the, the one in LA we, I wasn't able to go to this year, 214, which is, you know, again, it was the biggest card of the year. But uh, something happened I can't really get into that we that prevented me from going to that. Um, but yeah, I uh, I go actually through. I don't go through my assignment desk. I go. I talk to my VP. My VP and I work on all the the UFC coverage together. So um, everything that that we do, uh, I speak directly with uh, with our VP of content, and he's really bought in this year. You know, his name's Ken Bolden. He's a, an unbelievable television executive. Uh, his mind for television is the best that I've seen in this industry in terms of, in terms of how to service an audience. Um, and he knows that, you know, when I go down to do these interviews, we're servicing our MMA contingent, like people that are really in, deeply into mixed martial arts um, and want to get that from our website. Uh, so, you know, that's why an interview that I do with, you know, J Joe Duffy, for example, is not going to show up on sports center because he knows that the casual sports audience isn't going to know who he is, but he also sees the value in servicing the mixed martial arts audience and, and getting, uh, stuff up on our video player that that uh, takes care of that audience uh, and he and he feels the same way about f1 you know we have um tim haraney is a former f1 driver and he does all of our f1 coverage he does a fantastic job but he knows that there's only certain stories that are going to resonate but that's why we put a lot of eggs in the lance stroll basket and a lot of eggs in the gsp basket because canadians care about canadians and they want to see you know canadians succeed and learn about people that are, are coming up that are canadians so he gets that also, and, and that's how we bring a more casual audience into those particular realms and spheres and get them interested in those particular sports. So, again, I, he's just a brilliant television mind. There's, there's not enough that I, a time that we have here to talk about how uh, brilliant I think Ken Bolden is. And I'm not oh. just saying that to, uh, to uh, you know, to, <laughs> score some extra points. Tires. Yeah, he, he really is a very, very bright individual. No, I, I appreciate your honesty on that. Um, your father, your husband, uh, you have kids. How do you sort of balance this? Because uh, if you're away, you know, every, let's say, month uh, going to cover these events, how do you and, and your wife sort of game plan for, for that? Because I know it's tough, especially with two kids. I've got one. It's tough enough. But how, how do you sort of manage with two kids? It's the hardest part of my job, honestly. It's harder than being down here and covering it. Is, and, and, I mean, I'm, it's, this has been my first year leaving home and, uh, and covering it. And, you know, my wife, uh, she's a stay-at-home mom. We have two kids and uh, 
we have had to have long conversations about game planning for my trips mm-hmm. and uh, and setting her up for success because you know this year honestly has been very tough on us. It's been uh, it's been difficult for me to leave home. You know, while I've got two kids, one seven and one is you know almost twenty months. So he's very young. He doesn't sleep well, so she loses a lot of sleep. So we've had to really rely on family. You know, we're lucky to live in a city where both of our parents live and uh, they're able to help us out a lot. You know, my, my father-in-law's retired, my dad's retired, so they help out a lot. Um, my mother-in-law's, uh, she comes and helps a lot. So really it's been about not being afraid to ask for help uh, when it comes to, you know, the kids being at home. Um, yeah. And that that's, again, it's the most difficult part of the job because I, I'm here and she'll send me messages saying, like, this happened today, it's been really tough. And I have to sit here and feel a little bit helpless that I, that I can't, there's not much I can do from here. Uh, so again, that's, that's the part of the job that has been very difficult is adjusting to that. And I think that we're starting to, to come up with a rhythm that's, that's made things more successful. You know, the last trip was the most successful one I've been on because we took the time to really come up with a game plan for how she, you know, how to set her up for success at home. Yeah, it's very difficult. And, uh, that, that's actually one of the reasons I'm not in New York right now, just because, uh, you know, we, we my wife and I recently had a son uh, in September. So for Detroit, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I had to get, uh, my, my wife's uh, mom to, to come in and, and help out with the baby just so I can go and cover the event because I wanted to go and we had to sort of figure out a way to, to do this. So, uh, so I know what you mean, man. You really have to sort of game plan. And with two kids, uh, that, that's a whole different ballgame than one. So I commend you mm-hmm. for that and, and being able to figure it out. How do you think someone like John Morgan does it, uh, where he goes to every event? That's pretty crazy. Well, first off, I want to say hello to your cat who's joining us now. Um, oh, where's the, the uh, where, where is he? Where's, oh, he's, oh, he's in the background there. Okay, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, always, he always makes a cameo here and there. Yeah, welcome to the show. Um, sorry, what were you asking about John Morgan? I was just asking, how do you think someone like him is able to do it? I mean, he doesn't go to every single event because sometimes Junkie will send specific reporters, but he, goes to a, a, he probably goes to more events than anyone because fighting, they only go to pay-per-views, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and they go to some fight night cards, but uh, yeah, John Morgan is uh, an impressive human being, and I don't know how he does it, and you'll have to ask him yourself, because uh, when I see him overseas, like, so many times per year, I just think to myself, I I don't know how he does it, e- even if I had only one kid, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, with if I only had a seven-year-old, I guess it would be a lot more manageable, for sure, if it was just my wife and my seven-year-old, my seven-year-old sleeps through the night, you know, so like, that's that's a bonus right away, Um you know, and she's also, my wife also has a dog to take care of. So, and, you know, wow. my dog can be uh, annoying at times, you know, barks at nothing, wakes the, the baby up. And that's just another intangible that, that is thrown into the mix. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how John does it. I did, I did like hearing the story about the reason why John wears the blue shirt is so that his son can see him on TV. I think that's really sweet. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, uh, remember Jeff Hornacek uh, when he played for the Jazz, he used to do the, the wipe the yeah. face. So it's yeah, his son with yeah. 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 So, so there yeah. you go. Yeah. Kids, yeah. Uh, how does this sort of affect your social life? Because again, if you're if you're away, you know, at least once a month, uh, you know, doing events, you've got two kids. Like, how do you balance that? Because I'm sure you try and get a little bit in if you can, but it's difficult being a parent of two kids. Well, a lot of my social life is based on social circles uh, around my, you know, my kids, my son's friends, and their parents, and building a, a community um, of of friends that live in my area. You know, a lot of my 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 friends that I had growing up and continue to have. Um, live downtown. So I don't see them that often. You know, they'll come to me. If, if they want to see me, I have to invite them over because I don't have time to really leave the house. G- given that I'm leaving uh, to travel for these events, it's hard for me to get out of the house to go for drinks for four hours or, or whatever. So a lot of uh, my social life is based on, you know, I, I take martial arts and I, I, meet, I meet friends in my martial arts class. Um, and that's just a, you know, a little, a small local place called Energy Martial Arts that's near where I live. And um, 
I, uh, I'm, I build a community there and that's how I, I have a little bit of a social life, but most of the time I'm just at home with my family. I'm, I'm it's just so valuable to me. Uh, so, you know, when my kids get a little bit older and are a bit more sufficient, they'll worry more about how my social life is. And a lot of my social life is when I'm at these events because, you know, I'm not going to coop myself up at, in my hotel room if I don't need to. If I get to hang out with a lot of the different people that cover sports. You know, Robin's here with me this week. Uh, I, I hang out with Jim Edwards quite frequently. Um, you know, and that, that's how I get a lot of uh, how I get a lot of that bucket filled. Yeah, you definitely have to have those media members there that are sort of your go-to. Um, I remember in Vegas, you, myself, and Jim were, were hanging out pretty much all week. And that helps because you can kind of, you know, hey, do you want to go to breakfast? Hey, do you want to go uh, share a cab? I mean, that, that sort of stuff really helps out during the week because you don't want to be by yourself because you can get very lonely uh, staying in your hotel room and just working all the time. Uh, so that's definitely important. Um, sticking with the event, um, for this event, did you bring a camera guy or are you your own camera person uh, for this event? Both. Uh, okay. So we have a camera guy that's here for uh... – a lot of it um, for media day, he was going around and getting clips from different fighters about George's legacy. And, and they really wanted to focus on that. And Robin was talking and Robin did some interviews with our camera guy. And then I had my camera kit uh, today. It's the press conference. There's no reason for you to bring my camera kit. Um, we are getting some interviews that you'll see later on TSN.ca slash UFC that can't really talk about at this moment, but you will Fair see. Fair enough. Uh, top secret. Yeah. Yeah. Top secret stuff. Um, but uh, my camera is not needed today. And then tomorrow at uh, the weigh-ins, well, I'll bring both. I'll have my kit with me for, for backstage interviews. And then we'll have um, our, our other camera um, doing things. And sometimes our other camera will shoot my interviews. It just depends. Uh, it's good to have both just as a, as a backup. I don't want to be sitting around waiting if, and, you know, a guy comes to me and I've got no cameras. So it's, it's juggling a little bit of both. But really, we only book, you know, hire cameras to come with us for the big events. So we have, uh, we have a camera for this. We, uh, we hired a local camera in Vegas when the original press conference happened with GS, but that looked good. We shot some, some talk back interviews for sports center with, uh, with Bisping and with George and with Dana. Um, so uh, really it's, it's for the big events that we, we hire a camera and, and this is, this definitely falls under that umbrella. How tough has it been to sort of film stuff on your own? I know I go through it all the time with having the tripod set up and, and doing everything. I guess it's easier the more you've done it, but at the beginning, was it kind of difficult? Yeah, you know, my biggest impediment was that I wasn't turning the viewfinder around because I, I kept getting distracted by it during interviews. I kept worrying, oh, I can, I got to see if it's recording and all this stuff. But I eventually just kind of got over that, and that's helped a lot. It's helped with my framing, but it's a work in progress. It's always still a work in progress. I, I still haven't figured out the perfect way to frame uh, shots so that I'm in frame with my interview subject where it looks perfect. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It's it's um, it's difficult to, you know, I'm, I'm my camera guy and you, you can relate to that. That's, uh, that's kind of what you have to do. And a lot of other people in the uh, MMA media have to do it that way. Um, so that's, uh, that's been a challenge and it's something that I just get better at as it goes on. We talked earlier about the media presence in New York for UFC 217. What about the buzz in the city? Um, have you seen a lot of, uh, you know, people wearing fight shirts or is that not, uh, is that, you haven't seen that yet? Uh, not yet, but uh, I would say that the open workouts had a lot of people there and a lot of fans of Cody Garbrandt and Joanna. So it's nice to see fans of those particular fighters come out. Um, there's a big Polish community here in New York, so they always have Joanna's back. And then uh, we also had some Bisping fans, there's some GSP fans. So it was, it was pretty varied, which was nice to see. Was there a lot of Canadians there uh, that made the trip? 
I didn't get that sense. I didn't get a okay. sense that there were a lot at, at the open workouts, no. But um, yeah, because I was going to say, that's one thing I wonder is maybe they missed the boat. I mean, I know I know that New York is the Mecca right now. That's the place where you want to do all your events. But I couldn't help but think that maybe would this event have a different feel if it was in Canada, if it was in the UK, if they, they sort of catered to those markets? Because, I, you know, I don't know how many Canadians, I don't even know, like just off the top of my head, friends of mine that, that made the trip down to New York for this fight. I don't know if that has more to do with the fight or the location. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm kind of, uh, there, there's been, you know, a, a couple of rumors about the fact that this isn't selling well. I'm wondering if that might be the culprit. Well, if you hear Olay chants at the weigh-ins, you'll know that Canadian fans came up. That's and the true. Canadian fans came up. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes on Friday. It's it's easy to get here from Montreal and Toronto. I mean, for, That's true. for me, the flight here was longer than my trip from the airport to the city during rush hour yesterday. So, um, you know, that goes to show just how close we are from Toronto to New York. But um, I will say that uh, I think that there will be Canadians that make the trip. And Dana- say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com has said that, you know, even though ticket sales are, aren't that great, that it's still going to be the second or third highest grossing event in the history of MSG um, because of the, where the tickets are priced and how they're priced. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I don't think that this event necessarily needs to be a sellout in order to be a, considered a big success in terms of gate. Have you seen anybody wearing any Reebok fight kits this week? I don't think so. <laughs> I'll keep you posted on that. I don't think so. I don't think I've seen any yet. But, I have, I, you know, I haven't been keeping an eye uh, out for it. Um, I'm sure I'll see a lot of them on Saturday when, when I see the fighters backstage, they'll be wearing them. That's when I'll so, see most of them. So when did you get into New York? When did you fly in? I flew in yesterday morning because I wanted to spend oh. Halloween with my kids. Uh, they went out trick-or-treating. I was at home giving out candy. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's kind of a family. That's a, one of those family things that I don't want to, I can't overlook that that's more important to me than making sure that I'm there for media day. And I thought media day would be later today. Usually media day starts at noon. It started actually at 9.30 a.m. yesterday was check-in. So once I found that out, I was like, oh, we're going to really have to hustle to get there. We were lucky that we had booked the 6.30 a.m. flight, but we we went right from the airport to media day yesterday morning. Okay, interesting. But normally you would get there on like a Tuesday night or do you usually just fly in on the Wednesday? Because basically how it's divided up usually is they'll have the media day Wednesday, open workouts or press conference Thursday, Friday the weigh-ins, and then the the event on Saturday. Usually Tuesday night or sometimes Tuesday afternoon I, I fly in. Okay. Yeah, it's good to get kind of adjusted and everything and then you can go full force. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, I've started to fly in at night now instead of like in the afternoon. I used to, Vegas, I think out of Toronto, there's only four or five direct flights to Vegas. And I always want to get a direct flight. And usually I was flying in the afternoon. And now I've just decided to start flying in at night because it helps me acclimate to the time change better. So when you get in, uh, what, what's the first thing you do? You mentioned the media day was yesterday. I know they had the, um, did they have the open workouts yesterday at the MSG? Because it seemed like it was like that for 205 as well. 
It was the exact same setup as it was for 205. Same place okay. for media day and same place for the open workouts, which was on the Knicks, uh, the Knicks practice court. And okay. you should see how bad some of these uh, mixed martial artists are at basketball. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, there, there are, it was less air balls than at an actual Knicks game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, it was kind of sad to watch. So, you know, TJ Dillashaw hit his first shot and left. That's the way you do it. You hit your first shot and you just take off. Yeah, no, it's only going to get worse from there. You, you, can't, you can't overdo it at all. Who looked, uh, who looked good in, in the open workouts to you? Was there anyone that sort of stood out or was it just all the same? Nobody really. Uh, you know, TJ is wrestling while he's chewing gum. He looks like, makes it look so easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Garban looked good. You know, coming off of uh, an event where we watched Tony Ferguson do a 50-minute open workout, Seeing guys on gym mats at a practice court, you know, wasn't super conducive to, uh, to getting in a good workout. So um, I wouldn't say I saw anything out of the fighters that stood out. Yeah, okay. You know, you do get to see just how much bigger Bisping is than GSP when you're watching these things. And I thought GSP looked pretty big. But Bisping's a really big dude. He gets a lot of weight to make 185, I'd imagine. Well, I think people forget that Bisping actually won the Ultimate Fighters LA heavyweight, and it was only in uh, it was only actually UFC eighty three, same card that St. Pierre finished Sarah in the rematch uh, was Bisping's middleweight debut. So yeah. uh, you know he, he is he is a fairly big guy. I've seen Bisping fight a couple times actually. Um, just trying to remember the the CB Dalloway fight. Um, yeah, he's very 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 big guy, and I think uh, yeah it's going to be an interesting matchup on uh, Saturday. So uh, was there anyone yesterday at the media day that you noticed looked a little drained, maybe having a tough weight cut? Was there anyone that, that sort of stood out there? No, um, I, I don't even know because it was Wednesday. I don't even know if the weight cut started yet for a lot of these guys. Right. Um, you know, there are going to be guys that have to cut a lot of weight. I mean, Mickey Gall is a huge guy for 170. Uh, even his opponent, Randy Brown's pretty big. Randy Brown looked like he was going to be on weight. No problem. Though. He's pretty thin. But uh, looking at Cody, I was like, geez, Cody's really big for a 35. Um, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice anybody that looked like they were having a difficult uh, weight cut. Joanna looked like she had the sniffles, so I don't know. I don't know if I want to read anything into that, but you know, who knows? You could have a cold or something, but I, I don't know if that's cause for concern. I, 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 don't, I didn't see anything that would lead me to believe that anybody's going to have any issue cutting weight. What's the plan for the rest of the week? What are you doing today? What's, uh, what, what's going on uh, media wise? So today is the press conference, and we've also been invited to two, two, uh, two uh, particular events that uh, I, I can't really get into right now. Okay, uh, but we, we will see stuff on our website uh, later today that we'll have that, uh, have some interviews from that and some, some coverage from that. Um, but today, for the most part, it's the, uh, it's the press conference, which is this afternoon. You can, you can watch that, on I'm sure, on the UFC's website and on TSN Go um, if you want to watch it in Canada. Are you going to ask a question at the presser today? You usually do. I remember at the, the, uh, the one at Hockey Hall of Fame, you asked a couple of good ones. Uh, yeah, I probably will. Um, I know the UFC likes it when I ask questions, so if, if they like it and they want me to ask questions, I'll ask questions. Sure, sounds good to me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the thing with these press conferences I, is I know we're going to be talking to the fighters later on in the week, like on, on Friday after the, you know, before the weigh-in. So I like to save my best stuff. You know, usually I don't ask questions of these, to be honest. Um, yeah. At the last one, it was weird because uh, before it started, they said, why don't you come out and ask some questions? And I said, well, you know, I'm setting up back here for interviews. And they said, it would be great if you could ask some questions. So I asked, I asked some questions, <laughs> but I want to save my best stuff. You know, yeah. I want to save, I don't want to ask the, 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 the questions that I really want to ask until I'm backstage talking to them. So I, I, if you remember my first question at the last one was like a complete softball. And that's because it's, you know, and I think that that's why a lot of the, the members of the media ask those questions. They don't want to give their best stuff away. They want to save it. And I don't, you know, I don't blame them. 
Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, do you feel like press conferences are, I mean, I personally, I don't like them because you have to wait, you're very limited. You have to kind of rush. You don't want to be that guy who's asking 50 questions. And we've seen that before, uh, you know, with certain uh, reporters where they, they'll just keep asking question after question. And you're like, come on, man, we only got like an hour. You know, we, we got to get through this. Um, what are your thoughts on press conferences in general? I don't really see the value in, in them for, from a media standpoint, uh, yeah. to cover them. Like I, if I, if I was working for an MMA website, why, why would I even go? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if I can stream it and transcribe it on the fly, wouldn't that be more valuable than being there to ask a question? Like, they're not going to say, you know, Aaron Bronstetter of TSN asked this question and they answered it. You know, this was their answer. It's like, he was asked this and this is what his response was. So to me, it's, it would be more valuable from a, if I was covering it from an MMA website to just be in my hotel room transcribing it and getting articles out instead of being, being actually there. I, I think it, it has a lot of value to the organization. Like I think that those sound bites end up on sports center, those sound bites. If, if your fighters are good and if they know how to play the game, those sound bites end up, you know, getting you a ton of coverage and a ton of, you know, articles. I just don't see from an, a media perspective why being down there is important. Yeah, like I, I think that you you can you can get your content out fa- your content out faster if you're actually not at the at the press conference <laughs> asking questions. Uh, it, I guess it depends on your footprint. Like MMA fighting, I'm sure have guys that are assigned to watch the press conference, type articles as it's going, and then guys that are assigned to be there and ask questions. But if you're uh, you know an independent, if you're like for example, if you're covering it for a website, and you're the only one covering it for that website. I think it's it's more valuable not to be there. Yeah. Well, I used to, I used to not go. Now what I'll do is I'll film like maybe like a little clip, um, you know, when I go to these events, just so I get my little thing in there. But like, there's no point. Like, I've had people ask me, you know, why don't you film the whole press conference? Why don't you uh, film like a whole media scrum? And the answer is, why am I going to compete with MMA fighting, MMA junkie, all these other websites that are going to be showing the exact same thing? Like, that's the problem. And the UFC, the UFC, the UFC puts it up. Exactly. That that's true. Yeah. So yeah. it's the it's UFC different. puts it up. So why why even film it? Yeah, no, I, your, I, I your your angle is that is different. People are gonna watch, watch it because of your angle. Yeah, no, you can go to the UFC's website and watch it. Forget it. Yeah, yeah, but, I, you I, know, people forget that. At the same time, yeah, at the same time, you it is good to be seen there if you want to make a name for yourself and say, "Hi, I'm so and so from this website." You get to advertise your website, so I guess that's there's value in that. Like yeah, if you're no, from that, that's UNMA usually the website. That, that's usually the only reason I go. Um, if you remember at the GSP uh, Bisping Presser, I got the first question. So I had a lot of people messaging me like, hey, you know, good, good on you for doing that. But you have to because that, that's the main thing. You, you got to be present. If, the more you're present at these events, the more yeah. you're, uh, you're there. People will know you. People will remember you. And that, that's the sort of thing that will, will help your career uh, in this industry because it's, uh, it's a very tough industry, as, uh, as, as we both know. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, we talked about you being a uh, you know, broadcast partner and working for a television network. The majority of these um, events are covered by websites. Do you find you get the same level of respect as a journalist, um, you know, being a TV guy as opposed to a web guy? Uh, from, I know you put your stuff on the web, but you're primarily a TV guy. Do you feel like you get the same respect? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, in fact, it might even be more because you're working for, you know, a big network. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think that people that write for websites are looking at Brett Okamoto and being like, that guy's a TV. Although Brett, Brett writes a lot of articles and does a lot of reporting. So he's probably not a great example. But um, yeah, like I, I think that, it's cool for people to see that TSN is, is covering the sport that we're, that we are on site that we're, that we're doing MMA coverage. So I don't think that there's a really a divide there. And I do do some, you know, I do write some articles for the website as well. So, uh, you know, we, we do fill that bucket quite a bit. 
Yeah, I was just curious because I know they're, they're, you know, they're different outlets. It's kind of a different, um, like I know, for example, TV, uh, a lot of times the, the stuff shot a little bit differently than what you'd see on the web because they're always sort of thinking what goes for web. And sometimes you have to, not, I know you have stuff that goes on the web, but you also have stuff that will be on sports centers. So you have to be mindful of that, whereas they don't have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? The, the stuff that's going to be on sports center, I know about in advance usually. So I can really, you know, make sure that my shot's perfect. I even ask somebody to come and help and say, how's this look? You know, if, I know that that's, that takes priority, but um, a lot of the time for stuff that ends up on SportsCenter, we'll hire a camera person, you know, if it's that high priority. So, um, or if there's breaking news, like for example, we interviewed, we did a scrum with Joanna Jacek with the, you know, the rights holder scrum um, when she said she was going to step in for Nunez at UFC 213. And that, that made it onto SportsCenter. So I had to make sure the framing of that was really good. And the sound was really good. You mentioned what's on the agenda for today. What about tomorrow? I'm guessing the uh, the early weigh-ins, you, you'll go to that. Um, it's kind of weird. Like uh, sometimes they don't tell you. Sometimes they do tell you. Do you know where they are now or do you have to ask around? How does that work? Uh, yeah, they, they sent it yesterday. So it's okay. Because okay. do you remember there was a point when it was a secret? Like I remember like you'd have to ask. Yeah, you get it Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you find get it like late Thursday night. Yeah. And you'd be like, okay, I have to be up at eight, 8 in the morning now and be at this place and I don't know where it is. <laughs> So one of the things I like doing when I go to the early wins is I will, uh, I, I try and get there as early as possible because as you know, Aaron, you got to get a good spot if you want to shoot anything. And if you get, you know, a lot of these bigger websites that they have, you know, really good cameras so they can go in the very back and film the whole thing and it looks great. But for us, you got to get in that front row or at least the second row so you can get like a good shot of them. Uh, is that sort of your strategy as well when you go into this? Yeah, I just find the closest seat. I'm very crafty as to, as to finding good positions at the weigh-ins. Yeah. Um, and I find that a lot of my content now is just stuff I shoot on my phone and I, and I put up on Twitter right away. I try to put up, I find that there's more value to the, the person at home, at least people that are really interested in seeing what the fighter looked like on the scale rather than how much weight they made. So I try to put out like a six, seven, six second clip of each fighter making weight um, or getting on the scale because I think that there's more value in that than just the, the numbers themselves. I mean, people, if people want to get, find out, you know, how much someone weighs, they can find that out everywhere. But if someone wants to see how, they look on the scale. I like to provide a video of that because I, I think that that adds value. Yeah. And uh, one thing you also have to manage too, when you're we're going through all this is you, you got to get like a good breakfast in the morning. Cause there's times when you don't know how long the weigh-ins are going to go. I remember at uh, Bellator NYC, we were waiting, I think until like the last minute uh, because uh, someone just hadn't weighed in. So the weigh-in could have been over like an hour before, but they were waiting for one more person and you had to sort of uh, do that because uh, you, you have to wait till the entire time. You got to get all the footage. And on top of that, you're not eating. I mean, these early weigh-ins sometimes start really early and you're not done till noon by the time you, you know, upload all the content and everything like that. Is that something you've uh, had to sort of, uh, to tackle as a challenge yeah for sure and i don't know if i've perfected it yet but it's <laughs> because it's so early in the morning and, and you have to the, the big problem with it is like and i think it's the same for the fighters who have to actually make weight is like you have to wake up early and then you have to stay up late the next night so you yeah. really have to manage how you know you know your sleep schedule because you don't want to have to wake up you have to wake up at 6 a.m or 7 a.m for these early weigh-ins and then the next night you have to be up till 3 a.m so it, it messes with you a little bit i actually am a proponent that i mentioned this on the tsn mma show this week, I think they should do the weigh-ins on Thursday nights yeah. instead of Friday mornings. I think it would make a lot more sense. Um, I think it's, the, it's, it's healthier for the fighters um, overall. And um, I just think that, you know, a lot of people have their, their solutions for weight cutting and guys draining themselves and putting on weight. But that's going to be a reality no matter how you do weigh-ins. Unless you're, do, unless you're weighing guys in right before fights. And, of course, then you're risking the cancellation of a fight right before a fight and you're risking guys with drained brains getting into the cage, the, the longer before the fight they can weigh in, the better it is for the brains. It takes the brain 48 hours to replenish. So why not do it two nights before the event and then 
let guys go to bed instead of having to wake up in the morning and, and kill themselves by staying up late and cutting weight and then waking up, losing sleep in order to get there to the weigh-in. Why not do it on the Thursday night? Like, it would just be way, way better for the, the athletes. You see how many people have – guys have started uh, missing weight since they've started doing these early weigh-ins and how many fights have been canceled uh, as opposed to doing them the night before. Why not yeah. just do it on the Thursday night? So it would be the same thing as doing it on the Friday night. Less people would, lose, would miss weight. It would be healthier on the brains of the athletes. That, that, to me, would make a whole lot more sense. And then you have more stuff for media to cover on the Thursday instead of um, having them come out early on the Friday morning. And you can continue having more coverage of the sports uh, on the other days because now they've been doing open workouts on the Thursdays, and I don't think there's a whole lot of value in that for the media. I, I actually really like that idea. I've never uh, – I don't think I've heard uh, someone mention that before, so that, that's, a, that's an interesting take on it. I still say when you saw it, it goes to test them, make sure their weight's in check. If someone's 30 pounds over, you know, they, they should send the UFC a warning saying, look, this guy, you know, they're, they're not managing their weight properly. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, my, you know, my original thought for weight cutting was have USADA, um, every time that they test you, make sure that the fighter's within 10% of their weight class or 15% of their weight class. Um, otherwise – if they missed, if they missed that mark on three occasions and move them up a weight class. But I, I honestly, I think Thursday night weigh-ins is what I'm going with now. I think, I think that's going to be my, that's going to be the, the flag I fly from now on with weigh-ins because there's really no reason not to do it Thursday nights. Um, there's not a ton of value in doing it for Friday morning. It's still, you can still, the reason why they didn't want to move the weigh-ins from Fridays was because they wanted fans to be able to attend them the night before the event. You can still do that. If you're still, if you're going to do ceremonial weigh-ins, you can still do that for the fans on the Friday night and just weigh them in officially on the Thursday night rather than the Friday morning. It makes zero difference. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, now, as far as, uh, you know, the rest of fight week, um, you know, we talked about the weigh-ins. You go to the event. Do you have any uh, fight day rituals? Like, I know for me, I was trying to get a nap in because it's usually a really long night, uh, you know, when, when the, after the press conference. I mean, you're out of there, you know, sometimes 2 in the morning. Uh, do you have anything like that going into, like, the fight day? I try to stay up later on the Friday night so I can get myself acclimated to being up late the next night. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually if I'm, if I'm in a city like in New York, Friday, Saturday is going to be my day off until the event. I'm going to explore. Um, I actually have a friend who lives in Brooklyn, so I'll hang out with him on Saturday. In Vegas on the Saturdays, I like to check out different places. I like to go around the, the city. Sometimes I venture off the strip. That's kind of my day. I take that day to kind of uh, – and on the West Coast, it's a little bit more difficult because the doors open at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, but you know, for New York, the doors will open at six, six thirty-seven. So I'll have a whole day to kind of explore New York and it'll be great. You know, if I go to Boston in, in January, I'll take the Saturday and, and kind of venture out. Um, so that's really what I like to do. I like to really have, I really like to take it easy on, on fight day. Um, and just do something, that, do something that's, that has value for me that I find very fulfilling, uh, because then I, I'm really energized going into the fight and I, and I, I, it, it helps me really look forward to it. Um, and it gets kind of rid of the anxiety of sitting around. I'm, I'm, I get really restless when I'm sitting around. I'm the same um, way. And, yeah, and I, I don't really have to prepare questions for Saturday either because you're really asking questions based on what you saw. So, um, you know, that's another way that I look at it. It's, you know, my research is done at that point. I, I've already done research on them for media day. So on Saturday, I'm not going to spend my time reading up on the fighters. I'm going to see what happens in the fight, and I'm going to ask questions accordingly based on that. Yeah, I remember at 2.10, uh, if I'm not mistaken, on fight day, we went and got some breakfast at some, like, hipster cafe, which is breakfast actually ended up being really good. And then you went to, like, the outlet mall or something, if, if I remember, didn't you? Uh, no, I went record shopping. I went record, oh, record shopping. shopping. Okay. Yeah. I, but you did yeah, go to an outlet I, I mall at some point, or am I getting that mixed up with something else? No, that was, a, that was on a different day. Oh, okay, gotcha, day. okay. 
Yeah, that was I just passed by one and I stopped in. But uh, yeah, I, I collect records, so I like to yes, go record shopping on my Saturdays too. That's part of, and I always find that that the part of the city that I like the most is always wherever there's a record store. There's always good places, places with good coffee, uh, good liquor stores in certain cities. These are the kind of things that I enjoy, um, and uh, that I uh, that I look forward to when I'm in a new city is finding the kind of cool pockets of that city and, and going and checking them out. Are you, uh, have you gone out at all since you, since you've been back? Like any, you gone out for drinks with any of the media guys or has it just been business the whole time? Since I've been here? Uh, yeah. Last night, uh, I went for Japanese food with, uh, my, my producer, Jason, who's here and, uh, Arda Ocal joined us, you know, Arda. Nice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, he, he joined us. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was there. Uh, Robin was there and I have, I have some friends that are in the city right now. So they, they joined uh, and then we went out for drinks with Brett Okamoto afterwards and watched the uh, the World Series. So oh, cool! Me, okay. me and Arda and my friend Dave and uh, Jason, who's uh, my producer here, and, and Brett Okamoto went out and watched watched the World Series. I got to meet yeah. Brett, Brett's wife, and she, she's uh, she's checking out New York with him because he's staying for a couple extra days, and, and they they're making a trip out of it. So uh, it was it was nice meeting her as well. That's very cool. That's one of the cool parts about uh, doing Fight Week is that you get to hang out with all these other people who are, you know, fight fans and, and you get to sort of know them. I mean, a lot of times when we're interacting with people, it's usually on, on Twitter because, uh, you know, a lot of times you don't see people. Like even in Toronto, you and me, I haven't, I'm trying to remember the last time I saw you, but I know because you're a family guy and everything, it's tough for us to, you know, sort of hang out and go for drinks. So it's, it's a good opportunity to do that. And I think that's one of the bonuses of Fight Week is that you get to hang out with all these people and, you know, sort of talk about the fights and just sort of, you know, hang out. It's, uh, it makes it a lot more worthwhile, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, this is what this is what we follow. This is our interest. We all have opinions on it that we like to share, and we like to bounce off each other, and uh, we like to talk a little inside baseball. So, and I guess that's kind of the point of this podcast, which is a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, that's that's part of uh, Fight Week that I really enjoy as well. Is just getting to and getting to meet new people, and you know, like I've, I've started to hang out with Jose Youngs a little bit, and he's just a guy that I I've, I've seen around over a lot of these events, and he's a mutual friend with Jim. You know, Jim's kind of a mutual friend of the two of ours, so. I hang out with him quite a bit uh, when I'm in the city, and uh, I went uh, for drinks with uh, Ariel and Sean Al Shaddy at the last event, and just getting to meet these guys and, and learn about them is really cool. Like Sean's an awesome guy, uh, and a lot of our conversations were about basketball. Cause the three he's of us he's really a Phoenix are, Suns fan. If I'm not he's a big Phoenix Suns fan. Yeah, so him and Ariel and I, you know, we get to talk MMA, we get to talk basketball, and that's a lot of fun too. What's been your favorite interview so far this week? I know you haven't had a ton, but is there one that sort of stands out? Not really. To be honest, um, I like talking to James Vick because he's just so he wants a top fifteen fight so badly, and he's so angry about it. Uh, and getting to see his passion about, he, you know, he thinks guys are ducking him in the top fifteen. He talks about Kamara Usman and how he thinks people are ducking Usman at uh, at at one seventy. Um, and just getting to hear him talk about, you know, he's he's I think it's eight and one now or seven and one. I think eight and one now. And he's just so desperate to become a star, and he just doesn't know what to do. He's beside himself. He's, he's beating all these guys, but he can't get the fights that he needs to get into that top 15 picture and, and get tougher and tougher fights. And he's just really, really – like, getting to hear him explain it, it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, James. You are – you know, you, you aren't ranked, but you're 8-1. and one. Like, what, there aren't a lot of guys that are 8-1 and one that aren't ranked. Um, so he brings up a lot of good points, and, and he, he's a really good interview. He's a, he's a smart guy, and he's a fun fighter to watch. So what, what more does this guy need to do to get himself to that next level? And he says he's happy with how the promotion have – been giving him a little bit of a promotional push by sending him to different events. He's been the guest fighter in, uh, I think it was in Oklahoma or something. And then he's gone to some army bases and done some, some good fun stuff with the UFC. But now he really, he's just desperate for this top 15 opponent. And it's, I think that was, uh, that was probably the interview that I, that I enjoyed doing the most. It was actually the first one I did yesterday. So 
that was kind of cool. It was a good, good start to the day. We've got about eight minutes left here on the show. I wanted to ask some sort of like some fun questions here. Uh, taking the reporter's hat off for a second, is there a fight that you're really looking forward to this weekend uh, outside the, the title fights? I can be a reporter and look forward to fights, can't I? Well, yes, you, you can, you can. But I mean, yeah. you know, sort of as a fan, like just as a fan of the sport too. Uh, TJ Cody, I, I can't wrap my head around that one. I don't know how it's going to, you know, usually when you hear a fight announcement, you play it out in your brain. You're like, okay, so most of the time I see this happening, but this could happen. That fight, I just don't know what, like, I don't know what, and the reason for that is because of Cody's performance against Cruz. Like, I think Cruz could have watched every piece of tape on Garbrandt that exists and would not have expected that Cody Garbrandt to show up. So Garbrandt, to me, is still, even though he's a champion, is still a wild card that you don't know what to, you know, what to expect out of. So that's kind of a fight where I'm, I'm just don't really know what, what's going to happen. I think Duffy versus Vic is a fun fight. I think they're both really uh, similar in terms of talent and skills and, and strengths uh, and weaknesses, for that matter. And that's a fight that I don't really know how that's going to go. Um, I find that to be a very interesting one. Um, I think another fun one that I think is uh, is going to be really interesting and I think is probably the, the best underdog on the card is Alexei Olenek versus Curtis Blades. I think, like, Blades is like a 5-1 to one favorite. And I keep thinking, like, Olenek's had 63 fights. He's, he's got so many tools and so many weapons he can use to offset Blades' strength, and Blades has such a clear strength to his game that if he utilizes that against Olenek, he could be in some trouble because Olenek from bottom is one of the very few heavyweights in the world that can pose a massive threat to you. Um, so that's a, that's a fight that I'm, I'm looking forward to. You know what? Once I start just looking at the fights from top to bottom, I'm excited about all of them. This is a really, really strong card from top to bottom. Do you think this is going to end up being uh, the best card this year? I mean, the December 30th one, they usually stack that one, but uh, this looks like it's, it might be taken, uh, you know, running away this year as far as the, the best card on paper anyways. Yeah, I mean, unless they add Connor and Ferguson to that year-end card, I think this, this will definitely be the best fight card of the year. Um, you know, we have three championship fights of the, the John Jones card, and that was, a, that was a really good one. But having GSP come back is really interesting to me. I think that uh, we're going to learn a lot on, on Saturday night in that main event. We're going to learn how good Michael Bisping really is. We're going to learn how good George really is and what George still has left as a, as a mixed martial artist. Um, it could be George's swan song. You know, there's, there's just a lot going on that's particularly interesting to me. Uh, you know, like when you look at Avenger versus Cyborg, like you, you knew how that was going to go. With Rose, I mean, Rose has a lot of weapons that she can, and a lot of, if, if she can use her creativity in that fight and, and put Yoana in some uncomfortable positions, anything can happen in that fight. So I've, I've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of questions that are going to be answered on Saturday night that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Has CNSN given you any indication of what, uh, you know, the future holds as far as your position and everything? Because it seems like they're, you know, the UFC seems happy with the coverage. It seems like everyone else is happy with the coverage. Is this, you know, going to keep on going uh, as far as your, your coverage goes? Have you gotten any indication about that? Well, ask me in a year because the rights deal uh, expires at the end of 2018. Okay. Um, but, but it seems like we're all systems go. I'm, you know, I'm going to Detroit. Um, I think if, if Connor and Tony aren't on that December 30th card, I might not go. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm happy. I, I love doing this. They're happy with how it's been going. And, uh, you know, there haven't been any signs of slowing down. In fact, you know, we're ramping it up for this card. So, again, I, I, I'm, I'm really confident going forward that we're going to continue to just provide great coverage uh, and, and really um, fill, you know, really service that audience, the, uh, the MMA viewing audience for TSN. And, you know, I try to make it both accessible to the people that don't know what's going on in MMA and, and also to people that are really interested in the ins and outs of the sport. And I think that, that I have the, the support of management for that. You know, they don't want me to dumb down the coverage. They, I haven't been given a mandate to, to make the interviews not touch on very inside MMA minutia that the fans would enjoy. So I like having that kind of uh, 
uh, of a leash when it comes to this sort of thing. And do you, do you feel like at the same time uh, that, uh, you know, the TSN is pretty much a slam dunk to, to re-sign because I can't think of any other networks. The only way I could see it changing hands is if the UFC decides to do just a pure streaming service. But like Fight Network's not getting, I don't think they're going to renew or whatever because they, they have this whole Impact Wrestling thing or Global Wrestling or whatever it's called now. Uh, Sportsnet has no room on their channels because they still have the NHL rights. Like I just don't see anywhere else where the UFC will land in a year just because of the lack of options uh, pretty much. And also the fact that you guys have done a great job too. Yeah, I mean, the only other players that I can see are, are like, the zone. The zone could be a player. Amazon could be a player. Digital platforms. But I also think that there's a lot of value for the UFC in being treated as a mainstream sport. I really yeah. do. I think that that's something that they need to think long and hard about when it comes to renewing these deals. You know, they can dangle the digital carrot like Dana did in that interview with Jason Gay of the Wall Street, Street Journal and say, you know, we're looking at really heavily at digital platforms. That's the future. And to an extent, I think it is the future. I think that there are, there are, the digital platforms will have their place, but SportsCenter will always exist. You know, I think in my lifetime, we're, you know, there's always going to be um, people that are hungry for, for multifaceted sports coverage in the mainstream, you know, in a mainstream uh, outlet, you know, that, that shows, that covers every single sport. Um, and I really think that that's where the, the different TV uh, providers and, and, you know, channels are going to have a, a big leg up in these conversations with the UFC in terms of getting the rights. Like, I, I don't see the UFC putting themselves in, in a box like the WWE has where the WWE network is, is just like their main uh, source. Because how are you going to attract a new audience? Is the UFC's audience big enough for them right now? Or do they want a bigger audience? And I think they, they want a bigger audience. I don't think WME is buying this to be a standalone property. I think they, they want to be uh, considered a, a, a mainstream sport like the NFL, like MLB, you know, like the NBA, like the NHL. And uh, that, that's important and has value to them. Well, we certainly are, are looking forward to, to what's uh, to come next uh, with TSN. And we're obviously looking forward to your coverage, Aaron. Uh, this was a blast. We've got about a minute left, so I figure it's a good time to wrap it up. Uh, just remind people where they can find you on social media. Uh, by all means, plug your podcast. Any guests you got coming up this week on the show, just let us know. And, uh, you know, again, plug the GSP documentary. And anything you got to plug, man, take your time. We've got like a solid minute and a half, so go for it. Okay, um, on Twitter, at Aaron Bronstetter. It's A-A-R-O-N-B-R-O-N-S-T-E-T-E-R. Or go to James's Twitter, and I'm sure he's tagged me in, in several things. <laughs> I have. Uh, if you, if you want to, if, yeah, if you want it to be easier on you. Um, www.tsn.ca slash UFC is where all of our UFC content for TSN lives. Uh, we also put some cl clips up on YouTube, on TSN's YouTube channel. Um, and uh, what else am I forgetting? The TSN MMA show. Uh, we, we put out an, uh, an episode every week. I don't, you know, focus not every Tuesday. It's not every Wednesday. It's whenever, whenever it, the show's done, the show's done. Um, we have an interview with Eddie Alvarez coming up. I'm not sure if it's going to be this week or, or the next week. Um, and um, you're going to see a great recap from us next week for UFC 216. And uh, my co-host Joe Valtellini is a former Pride, sorry, uh, Glory welterweight champion uh, in kickboxing. And he's, he knows MMA inside and out, especially the, the technical facets of MMA. He sees things that a lot of people don't see. So you get a really unique perspective from Joe on that show. Um, and just look up the TSN MMA show and you'll find that and you can subscribe. Um, the show's been great. We've had great guests. We've had Dana White, Bisping. Uh, I mentioned Eddie Alvarez is coming up on the show, and we're really we're only eleven episodes in, and we've we've had those guests. So that's the the kind of quality of guests that we're striving for. You guys can always check out this podcast uh, on YouTube, on Fightful's YouTube page. You can also check it out on Fightful.com. Uh, go to the MMA section. You'll find it in there. We're going to be doing plenty more of this, guys. This is a new show, so uh, by all means, any feedback you guys have, any suggestions, anything like that. 
hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open. I'm happy to, to talk to anything that's, you know, criticism. If you want to tell me I suck, do a little better than that. Tell me why I suck. Give me some examples. I, I like hearing feedback from everyone. Uh, that, that's definitely great. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. Uh, this week on Fightful, I did a bunch of interviews for the Bellator card that's actually airing tonight. So if you're watching this, check those out. I did one with uh, both uh, uh, flyweight uh, title challengers, uh, Alima Lane McFarlane, Emily Ducote, who are fighting. I also did one with Ryan Bader that is on there. He's going to be defending his light heavyweight title tonight against uh, Linton Vassell. Uh, I've also got some UFC interviews coming up uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, I did one with Eric uh, Shelton the other day, the UFC flyweight. Uh, there, there's a couple more, uh, Bilal Muhammad up there as well. So uh, just be sure to check those out. I'm pumping up those interviews on Fightful. And you can check out my work everywhere else, of course, on Flow Combat, MMA Odds Breaker, Fan Sided. I'm everywhere. So just uh, f- follow me on Twitter. That's sort of the best way to find it. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, we are going to be signing off here today for the MMA Industry Podcast. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.